Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, I'm excited to bring the word today, and um, I trust that as we come around this time, that this, what we, what we do, doesn't grow old. Okay, don't let what we do here grow old. What do I mean? Don't become too familiar with church. Don't become too familiar that you become complacent and that you just treat it flippantly. Every time we gather in the house of God, we have to come, number one, with expectation that, that God has something in store for me and faith. So let our expectant faith arise in our hearts as we come around the word today because I do believe that it's a very practical word and it's a word for us and maybe for some of you it's a word in season because when the Holy Spirit speaks we have to listen and oftentimes if not every time there has to be an accompanying action when we come with listening to the word Right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But we're not called to just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So if all we said was, Pastor, that was a great sermon. For me, that's the first part. And it's not that I'm waiting for praise. I don't need it. I just need to be obedient to deliver the word. But the second part is the action. If you can hear, great. But if it's only a great sermon, that's, we've missed the point. We have to be doers. So it has to provoke us to action, to move. Something has to move inside of us when we hear the word of God. And I pray today as we dig into what God has for us, that that's our, ex- our expectation is God's going to speak. But then his expectation is that we're going to do something with it. Can you say amen? We're not just going to come to take and to put it on a shelf. But if God's going to speak, it's because it has to move something in my life. This past week, uh, we had a, a, a conversation, my wife and I, we're trying to declutter our basement. It's become like a massive storage area on one side and then like the kids' zone on the other side where they play and there are just toys everywhere. We try to clean that side. But we were looking through some of the storage and we saw the high chair that the kids used to eat on when they were like six months old to 12 months. It was a nice one and very, you know, sentimental to an extent for me, but way more so for my wife. And the conversation was, what do we do with this? Do we just keep it to keep it because it's sentimental? Or are we actually trying to declutter and do we put it on Kijiji and, you know, all these Facebook marketplace things that I still don't know how to use, but my wife mastered and, and, and she struggled. I'm just like, put it on. Sell it. Get, get it out. We're decluttering, right? This is the mode that we're in. Let's purge. And my wife, it wasn't so easy for her. But eventually, she put it on Kijiji. And uh, the first person that came didn't end up buying it. And she's like, maybe that's a sign that we should keep it. Um, and I was like, no, keep it up. And then the second time it came and, and it sold. And so I was like, awesome, babe. And actually, I wasn't home when, when that transaction happened. But I could only imagine the emotions and the difficulty after she closed the door and it was out of the house. But the reality is, right, she felt guilty selling it, a part of her. Part of it is like, yes, we need to move on from this. But there's a part that feels guilty. Some of you might relate with the high chair story. And that you're like, yeah, I've been there, done that. Some of you might laugh at the humor of it but others you might be here and saying this this is ridiculous get on with the message but the reality is many people today get stuck in the in-between what's the in-between what do I mean by that God has a glorious future a purpose and a destiny for your life but your past is still holding you back and you're stuck now in this in-between of where do I go what do I do what do I say and, and it's this tension that we find in between our past and the future that God has for us. Now, side note, spoiler alert, you know, I'm sure everyone here wants to embrace what God has for us. His plan, His purpose for our lives. I'm sure everyone here wants to embrace that. The difficulty is the, familiar, the familiarity of the past. 
whether it was good or bad, there's an element of it that's familiar to us that we somehow want to cling to even though we know that the future is brighter that God has for us. And so today we're going to walk through the journey of the Israelites as God was moving them and wanting to move them from Egypt, which represents slavery, to the promised land, the land where God said, I will give you this land. So their future was glorious. It was good. It was better. And yet we're going to see that in the in-between, there's this natural tendency to always want to go back to what was familiar, even though it wasn't the best for us. And so I submit to you this thought. To embrace the future God has for you, you have to be willing to let go of the past. To embrace the future God has for you, you have to be willing to let go of the past. Some of you, you have a great past. But guess what? What got you here won't get you there. You have a good testimony maybe. That's awesome. But maybe it pales in comparison to what God has in front of you. As a church, we honor and we celebrate what got us to where we are today. This building would not be here. We would not be sitting here if not for the sacrifice of the generations that came before us. And those of you who were teenagers when this place was built, say amen. Right? I wasn't here to witness it. But I know, and I've heard the stories, I've taken time to listen and to appreciate what we have today is only a result of the sacrifice. But I'll even say for our church, we don't live in the past. We honor and we celebrate it, but now we still look ahead to what God has for us as a church as much as we do for our personal lives. And so if you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Exodus chapter 14 and we'll stand in honor of God's word. If we are able to today, we'll stand, turn to Exodus chapter 14. And I want to read six verses beginning at verse 10. It'll also be on the screen behind me in the New Living Translation. If you're there, say amen. All right, so here's what it says beginning at verse 10. As Pharaoh approached the people of Israel, looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, Leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Verse 13, But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. And the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. And look at the Lord's response, verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff, raise your hand over the sea, divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. I just want to emphasize verse 15. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Say, get moving. When God speaks, we need to get moving. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Lord, I thank you that your word is alive and active. Lord, as it speaks to the core of who we are today, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that it would compel us to action, to move, to get moving. And Father, I thank you for your word. It's already anointed, but I need your anointing today, and I ask for it. Lord, as your humble servant, fill my mouth with the words you want me to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. You know, the journey to the promised land sounds amazing, doesn't it? It sounds, the idea of the promised land sounds amazing, but here's the truth. It sounds amazing until you hit your first roadblock or the problems start showing up, right? The idea of God has a promised land, God has a hope and a future and all that, it sounds so good until you hit and encounter your first bump in the road. The question is, will you... Take God at his word when, when you encounter a bump in the road. 
Or are you going to do what Israel did and, and complain and wish and wonder, why are we here? It's better there. We oftentimes do this. But there's this idea that it's exciting, and it is. Following God and serving Him is a great adventure. Sometimes it's unpredictable, but I can tell you this, it's always worth it. You will always see the blessing and the benefit of saying yes to God. Why? Because His heart is for you. His plans are good for your life. And so when you yield them to Him, you say, God, you know when we pray with people, when they accept Jesus, we say, Lord, um, my past, my present, and my future, I give it to you. Because if we don't give Him the past, we're still holding on to it. Amen? So it's important to understand, when I come to Christ, I give Him my past. Yeah, but it's really bad. Give it to Him. The past, the present, and the future. And you say, God, I surrender everything. It's yours. Lord, do what you want with my life now. I'm yours completely. You see, we give God, we like the idea, but there's no guarantee that it's going to be smooth sailing. So the Israelites are leaving Egypt. And Egypt is you know, symbolic of oppression and slavery. They were in bondage, enslaved for 430 years. In fact, it says in a chapter before we read, I believe 12 or 13, that they were there for 430 years. And to the day, on the 430th year, that that's when God rescued his people. It's amazing to think, 430 years of oppression and slavery, God is preparing, and they know, and he tells them, I'm leading you out. This is the day. This is it. And they're saying, we were better off there. We were better off there. I don't know if you've ever said something similar to that. When God has provided and God has spoken a word, even though you're not, you haven't arrived yet, but you, you start on the journey, and in the middle you say, God, w what's going on? It was, it was better at my old job. It was better there where, where at least, even though I was mistreated or underpaid, at, at least it's not like this journey. Friend, let me tell you, don't lose heart during the journey. There's a, a, a reason and a purpose for the journey to the promised land. Can you say amen? And we're going to look at that this morning. But, but basically in verse 10, it says that Israel looked up and panicked. Why did they panic? Because they saw the Egyptians coming and they were coming to over and they were overtaking them. What does overtaking mean? It means that they're coming not from in front, but from behind. It means they're coming from behind them and starting to overtake them in the journey on the road that they were on. And what you find in all of this is I actually need two volunteers this morning. Doesn't matter. I just need two people. Ben, I saw your hand, but you're doing pro presenter. You got to stay there. I need two volunteers for this illustration. Not my wife. Not my Matt and Catherine Rose. Yeah, come. Okay, th this is my Egyptian army, and, and they're not my friends, right? You have to come and stand. Here we go, 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 go. Now, as they're here, I want to just read to you Exodus 13, verse 17 to 18, and then we're going to make sense of this. So I said overtaking is from, from the front? No, from, from behind. So they're, they would basically be coming to overtake me. The, I represent the Israelite army. But look at what it says in Exodus 13, verse 17 to 18. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not, even though that was the shortest road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land, God said, listen to this, if the people are, not this way, if they are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So if this would have been the confrontation, and I represent Israel, but Egypt is this way, guess what? I would be very afraid of this journey that God is leading me on. I want to turn and go and run right back. But notice the difference. Egypt is there, and we're fleeing this way. But where is the army, in front of Israel or behind? Behind. So in essence, I can't turn back. The way God set this up is the only way I could move is forward. Somebody say, get moving. 
which way do we get moving forward? You see, so when the army's coming, I can only go this way, right? They chase me, I go this way. They're about to overtake, but I come this way. Can you give them a hand? Thank you. It was very simple. They even color-coordinated to show me their, their force, but I thank God that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. So you, you get the picture now. And God knew that if they had an empty space to retreat and turn back, that they would. Look at verse 18 of what we just read in Exodus 13. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. So it wasn't the straight and easiest, you know, quickest route to the promised land. But he led them purposely in a roundabout way so that the Egyptian army would show up behind. So there was no turning back. There was one direction, like we already said. It was to move forward. And, and thus the Israelites left Egypt, it says, end of verse 18, like an army ready for battle. Now, I want to be very clear this morning that there's a difference between being physically free, because they were out of Egypt. They were physically free but, but what about mentally and in their thinking? And we're going to, we, we read the story, but to them, they were, they still had the mentality of a slave, not of a free person. They still had the mentality of someone who is, who is, a, who is bound, not as someone who God has set free. And there might be people here today, physically, you're sitting in the house of God, but spiritually, you're still a slave. That, that you're a slave to sin and you fall into the same pitfall day in and day out. But, you know, we sing the song, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And the reality is that is 100% true. But, but the other part of that is, have you given it up? Have you given it all to God? Are you really set free here? Because the battleground is not a physical one that we fight but it is a battleground in the unseen realm. We don't wage war with fists, but we tear down powers and principalities with spiritual weapons. And God has given us his Holy Spirit of power, a spirit of power, love and of a sound mind, not a spirit of fear. So we don't get scared, but we understand that God has equipped us for victory and that he's already won the victory for us. And so... We don't retreat, we don't go backwards, we move forward. God's heart is to propel you forward. You know, I began to think about this, 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 this thought. As we read scripture, you never read God's plan is not for you, right? We, we, have, we always declare what God says, but in the reverse sense, you'll never find it. God never says, go backwards, you know, go back to doing what you did. You know what the Bible does say? As a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. By the way, don't use that verse on your best friend if they do dumb things and you try to correct their behavior. Unless the occasion calls for it, we are to speak the truth in love. Okay? Yes. That's, you know, I used that verse once on my dad. <laughs> and he got mad. He really did. Two weeks. Um, did I say it in, with the right spirit? No. I wanted to just, you know, fire for fire. Um, but we're called to speak the truth in love. But, but it's, it's a reality. We have this nature, this tendency to want to go back to things even though they harm us. Even though they give us temporary pleasure. But there's a long and painful road to recover from those things and those choices. Sin will always seem like the most amazing thing when it's tempting you. And let me tell you the honest truth. It is short-lived. It is short-lived. The, the pleasure is so for a moment. And when it's gone, the consequences are far greater. And so I've heard it said sin will keep you longer than you want to stay, will cost you more than you want to pay. And there's one more that I forget. But the idea is... Don't be a slave to sin when Christ has died to set you free. That's the difference. 
And so uh, we looked at verse 10 with the army coming and trying and, and beginning to overtake them from behind. But verses 11 and 12, now the Israelites start to complain. They see in the distance what's going on. But now they, they make their complaints known. What is in the heart will eventually come out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the Bible says. And this is what they say. I wrote them out because when you stop and think of it, it's just crazy. Verse 11, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? It's as if they didn't hear what God said to them about the promised land. It's as if they knew better than God, out here is where we die. Out there we were slaves in Egypt, but at least we had food. At least we knew that we were not going to die in the near future. This is what they said. Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Another thing they said, what have you done to us? They're saying this to Moses. What have you done to us? We spoke last week that Moses was being obedient. He had a unique calling, remember? A unique calling. He's, he's walking out that calling and all he hears now is, oh my goodness, these people are going to kill me. And they're upset at me. I'm just doing what God told me to do. And so they're, they're saying, what have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? And then verse 12, because they know better apparently. Didn't we tell you this would happen? As if they were all knowing. Verse 12 also tells us about their mentality. And they say this, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. In other words, they thought, we're going to die here, so why are we here? But friend, I want to tell you, if God is the one who is setting you free, though there might be some bumps and though you might see your past trying to catch up with you, I want you to know that who the Son sets free is free indeed. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to wonder. You just have to do what Moses next instructs them in verse 13. You know what he says? He's like, calm down. Calm down. Chill. Don't be afraid. And he says, stand still because God's going to help us fight the battle. And it's funny that you find this time and time again in Scripture. Did you know that there are 365 fear nots? I know I've said this before, but maybe you're here and you've never heard this. There are 365 fear nots or do not be afraid in the Bible. One for each day that we have in, in a calendar year. Think about it. God knows our tendency is to, to be fearful, to be afraid of things. Some of us that are so crooked that we need to also watch horror movies or flicks. To, to, it gives you some kind of buzz, I guess. I don't know. That's, that's not something I, I, I enjoy at all. I think people deal with enough fear on their own that we don't need entertainment to fill us with more fear and make us think in a crazy other way. But God knows our tendency to be afraid and to wonder and the fear of the unknown and all of this stuff. And I believe Moses was declaring over them because his trust was and his confidence was in God. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Look what he says in verse 13. Don't be afraid. Just stand still. Some of us that would terrify us. That's what we're afraid of. I can't stand still. The, the army is coming. I, I, I'm not going to be here like a sitting duck. But he says, stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Some of you, you're here today. You need to know God, not just for his love and as Savior, but that he's your deliverer. That he is able to deliver you from the enemy and from the hand of the enemy, that whatever fear is placed on you, he can set you free. He can deliver you. There's a ministry of deliverance through the Holy Spirit that you have to surrender to him, to allow him to do the work of deliverance in your life. So the Israelites, they're caught up with complaining in the midst of this. But Moses, as their leader, his role is to remind them of who God is. You know, I'm here on a Sunday. I, we have only one short opportunity in the week. Uh, if there are 168 hours in a week, we get to, to open the Word for less than an hour. Let's say 45 minutes of, of a whole week. And, and I pray that in this time together, 
I remind you of who God is. I give you the tools with God's help to be equipped for battle. That we are the church as we walk out of this place. And there's a mission and a, and a work that we have to do when we walk out of this building. And so Moses, he's reminding the people, listen, don't forget who God is. Don't for, I know your past is creeping up behind you. Don't forget who God is. Don't lose sight of the promise of God's word. Listen, it's called the what land? The promised land. This year, we've said it, it's a year of promise. That we are standing on the promise of God's word. Not on the empty promises of a man or of people, but the promises of God's word. And God said, there's a land that I have promised to you. Guess what? Won't he fulfill it? Won't he fulfill his word? That's the only thing that we can rely on. And so God, through Moses now, is saying, relax, don't be afraid. God is still in control. Now we've heard from the people. We've heard from Moses and what he's instructing them. Now let's hear from God. What does God think of this whole scenario? Don't you ever wonder, God, just tell me, please. God, just show me why, why I'm experiencing this. Show me the greater person. God, sh right, this is what we ask. We want to be refined in the fire through the journey. Remember, it's the, the point between our past and the future that God has for us. This is this, this area where God is refining us. He's chiseling things out of our lives, but sculpting us and shaping us into the people he needs us to be and wants us to be. And so what does God have to say in all of this? God's heart is to move them forward and to move you forward. God's heart is, a, is one of a pioneering spirit. I want to read to you uh, from Isaiah 43, verse 15 and on. It says this, I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters making a dry path through the sea. I called forth. God did it. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned and their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. But forget all that. He says, it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness and I'll create rivers in the dry wasteland. And so God's heart is to move forward. So even in saying this, God's saying that was my work. That's how I led the people because this was through the prophet Isaiah. And he's saying, honor that. But it's nothing in comparison to what I want to do now. And you see, a lot of us get romantic about yesterday. And we're romantic about the way God moved. We're, we, we love the stories. You know what? I'm like that too. I remember when I was 15 years old, that youth group. I remember when I first felt the power of the Holy Spirit hitting my life in Bible school for the first time. I opened my mouth and I spoke in other tongues. I remember those moments. I cherish those moments. But God said, don't stop there. Don't stop there. I have so much more to pour out. I have so much more to do in you. If all you do is get excited about what I did yesterday, you're missing everything else that I have in store. Young people, listen. You're young. You have many years in front of you. Enjoy what God is doing now in your life. Take advantage. Give Him your heart. Give Him your heart. Give Him your ear. Say, God, if you speak, I want to hear your voice. I'm listening, God. Allow God to lead you on the journey and on the path. When you're older, you can still be led, but it's much harder after. So young people, listen. Today is the day. Today is the day. Say, Holy Spirit, I give you my attention. Speak. God desires to move us forward. Forward. You know, young people that are getting ready, maybe you're, you're finished high school and now you have college and university in front of you. I remember those days. It's, it's hard to pick a subject. I remember I was lost. I was clueless. And I just remember going to my Sunday school teacher or my youth leader and I said, what do I do? What do I pick? I have no idea. And they said, well, pure and applied science. 
you know, that opens the door wide for many things, you know, medicine or uh, other stuff. And, and I was like, I don't want to do medicine. But the other stuff sounded vague enough that I said, okay. Uh, I was miserable. And I was in college doing chemistry, physics, and all of this calculus stuff that, like, God gifted me with a brain that I could get through, but the passion was, it was not there. I was sitting with a lab coat with goggles on, measuring magnesium, saying, I don't care how much magnesium you need. I really don't. And my, my partner in the lab was super passionate about it. And I said, God, what am I doing here? And it was in those moments, you could laugh at my expense, it's okay. I laughed too because I must have looked funny. But the reality is, just because I didn't care, like if you wear a lab coat, I honor you in what you do. I value what you do. I know we have at least a chemist in the church that's here today. But, but the reality is, it wasn't me. It, it wasn't what God was calling me to do. I was just trying to find my way. But I had no idea. And so when you're young, I say all that to say young people, this is an opportune time to listen for the heartbeat of God for your life. His plans are good for you, to give you a future and a hope, to bless you, not to harm you. And so what more could you do than to yield it to God? So back to our text and back to where we're at today. God is saying, like, honor that. This is my work, but it's nothing in comparison to what I want to do. So God's heart was to move Israel forward and into the promised land. And God's heart for you is the same, to take you from where you've been to where you need to go. And in, in verses uh, 13 and 14, we already said what Moses said. But you know what I love that he said in verse 14? The Lord himself will fight for you. Actually, right before that, the Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. In other words, the past that keeps creeping up on you, that thing that you pay so much attention to and keep turning and looking, he's like, this is the last day you're going to have to deal with it. And, and I believe Moses was speaking prophetically, and I want to speak over our, our church and, and the families and the, and the people here today, that if you've been struggling with your past creeping up on you, we're going to pray at the end of this service and this message, but it stops today. That you won't have to deal with the past any longer. But you have to be willing to give it up and let it go as well. And so we're going to pray today. But I really felt God speak that for us and for some people today. And so God's heart in all of this. You know, as we're talking about the in-between, it might be a scary place. I'm not discrediting that. You know, faith and expectation, absolutely. But there's a humanity inside all of us that gets scared still. But I want to reassure you in the same way God reassured his people. And if you look back to Exodus 13, I'm not going to read it. But essentially in verse 21 and 22, speaks about a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. The pillar of cloud speaks and the pillar of fire speaks of the proximity of God's presence. Someone needs to write that down. In the middle of this journey from the past and to the future God is calling you to, there's the proximity of God's presence. Or you could say the promise of God's presence. How did he lead his people through this time? You know, it said he led them in a roundabout way. In the daytime, they saw a pillar of cloud and they were following it. It was God leading them every step of the way. And in the nighttime when it's dark... God is a smart God. It was a pillar of fire. And he led his people. I want you to know that God desires to lead you. God desires to lead you. You might say, yeah, but the, it's, it's, you know, in the dark, I doubt what God has said. Listen, God was with them in the day and he was with them in the night. God has a way of leading us. And I know we're all wired differently. But the reality is, there is the promise of God's presence. That if God is the one drawing you out of Egypt to lead you to the land and the place and the position maybe that he's promised you. I want you to know this. If he's the one that you're following after, he's going to be the one who's leading you. If you're following God, 
then if you flip that picture around, he's leading you. If you're following God, he's leading you on the journey. Some of you need to be encouraged today knowing that. You feel like I'm alone. You're not. You have a church family here. Secondly, you have God. I remind you what Jesus said, I will, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I'll be with you even till the end of the age. And so the pillar of cloud and fire speaks of the proximity of God's presence. So you don't journey alone. You journey with God at the helm of it all. So God personally responds now. I had to get all that under our belt to get to what God says. They're complaining and they're crying out. And I'm sure Moses as the leader, he's feeling the pinch. He's feeling the weight of the situation and I'm sure to an extent he's crying out to God as well though it doesn't say that I could just imagine maybe he's saying God you need to show up here I just told the people that you're going to rescue them because that's what you told me but God so he says not to the people but naturally as the leader of the people God says to Moses in verse 15 then the Lord said to Moses why are you crying out to me but he says this tell the people to get moving. Tell the people to get moving. And the title of my message is Get Moving. Get Moving. God is a God who wants to propel us forward into the future He has for us. But if all we're busy doing is this, and we're complaining about what we encountered along the way, God is at a standstill, not because he stopped moving and you're not waiting on God, but God is waiting on you. And God is saying to you, why are you still crying out to me? Get moving. Let me unpack that just for a moment. Why does God ask or question their crying out? Isn't it good to cry out to the Lord, you might ask? Sure. But in this circumstance, you have to understand, God was the one who is rescuing his people. He's saying, hey guys, we're out of here and we're going to the promised land. Knowing that God is at work in all of this, they have stopped and now they're crying. So God's saying, why are you crying out for something that I've already taken care of? Why are you crying out to me for something that I've already accomplished? Why? I'll tell you why. They were physically free, but it was in their thinking that they were not free yet. They didn't understand that God is way stronger than the Egyptian army that was starting to overtake them. And you have to apply it now to your life personally. You have to understand that God is a big God. That he's leading you forward. But some of us have stopped and we're asking God for something he's already given us. You might say, what has he given us? Uh, I don't know, the victory? God has given us the victory. God has given us a spirit that has overcome even death. Amen? For the Bible says in Romans that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us. So my friend, listen, there's resurrection power inside of you. So... I believe God would ask us in some of these moments, why are you crying out for something that I've already given to you as the victory? Get up and get going. Get up and get moving. And, and you see, when we don't do that, it shows God that we are still stuck in the old way of thinking. You know, there's also the, the, in the Gospels where Jesus says you can't put new wine in old wineskins or else they'll burst. But you have to put new wine in new wineskins. So if we're believing God, you know, he fed them every day. By the way, they also complained about the water. And God took care of that, gave them good water to drink. But they also complained about the food. Because they had food in Egypt. But they, they were saying we were hungry. God provided manna and quail. But guess what? Manna is a type of bread. They didn't bake it. It was provided for them every morning. But if they tried to keep what God had given them and saved some for the next day, guess what? It was moldy. Every day God provided something fresh and something new. And I want to tell you and remind you, every day God has something to deposit in your life. He has more anointing for your day. He has more anointing for your life. 
every day, new anointing. But here's the thing, oftentimes we come and we're holding on to yesterday's bread and yesterday's provision and we're asking God to bless the day that's in front of us when we're holding moldy bread. When God is saying, I'm ready to pour out fresh oil for your tired engine that you could continue to go, you could continue to move throughout the week and you won't be tired and run down, but you will be renewed from strength to strength. Can somebody say amen? And so every day... We have to open our eyes and look up and ask him for the provision and thank him for the provision. Why do we have to thank him for the mindfulness? Or else I'm going to continue with old oil or moldy bread when God has prepared so much for today. And, and we kind of say, like, we overlook all of that and just kind of continue with what he gave us yesterday. Get, get up and get moving. Stop thanking God for yesterday, although it's important. Thank him for his daily bread. Amen. Thank him for the daily provision. You see, God was never not close. God was never not close. He, he was there the whole time. He's responded to their situation and he says, get up and get moving. Sometimes moving forward is hard simply because there's no muscle memory. Right? Anyone not understand muscle memory? Let me give you a quick example. Playing drums. You know, there are a lot of beats, a lot of patterns to learn. And the first time you're learning a new song, your arms don't have the coordination to go where they're supposed to go. But guess what? The more we practice and the more we prepare and the more I do the same repetitive pattern, there's a muscle memory that's built. And from in the beginning, it took a lot of focus to do it. And you start slow and you get it right. But the more you learn it and there's muscle memory being built, you can speed up. You can actually stop thinking. You can actually speak. And you could play drums and talk to the other musician and, and do eye contact and, all, and think and all of these other things. Whereas in the very beginning, all I could do was focus 100%. If you drive shift, stick, it's the same way, right? At first you're like clutch, shift, let, let go slowly, right? Yeah. All of that stuff, but, but once you learn it, there's muscle memory. And so going to a new land, a promised land as it is, maybe it was hard, and it is hard, because there's no muscle memory. You're not exercising something, again, that we said is familiar, but it's something that's new. It's like my child learning to ride his bike, right? I remember it, it took a process. We start with training wheels, all of that stuff. Why? Because there's no muscle memory. If we didn't put training wheels, guess what? Our kids would get on the bike, fall, scrape their knees, and be like, I'm done. I'm done. I don't want this. And I want to close with this illustration, and then we're going to pray. My son, he has no more training wheels. And so I think it was two days ago, uh, we are at my mother-in-law's house. They live on the farm, and, and there's an empty lot next to us where there's like a dirt path and it's kind of a, a little downhill thing that he discovered and and he's like dad come let's take the bikes and let's go there and we're gonna ride down so the first time I'm filming him and I didn't realize how bumpy and scary it was so I was like ah! and I said this is pretty fun and Josiah loved it and I, he's like let's do it again but dad can you film me in slow-mo and so I said okay let's do this and uh, it's only like, I don't know, it's second, third time uh, trying it. So I was like, okay, so we do it. I'm trying to be careful this time behind him. And as he goes, like I have it in slow-mo, but my son's handlebars start going like this. And it goes sideways. And he lands basically face first in the gravel and the dirt. Um, like I didn't tell him at the time, but he had like all mud in his mouth and uh but he had his bike helmet on, but he even still managed to, like, have a giant bruise on his forehead and on his lip. And I could go on with those details, but I say that to get to this point. His first response, he jumps up, which I'm proud of him because I said, every time you fall, just get up. It's what we do, and we continue. If you fall, you get up. So he did, he did that. But the first thing, his immediate natural response was, uh, I want to go home. I want to, that's all he kept saying, I want to go home, I want to go home. Meaning, I'm done with this. I don't want to do this anymore. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? The purpose 
of that illustration is because I believe we are exactly like that. The first thing that we encounter in the journey that God is leading us, we can't throw up our hands, but it, it is our tendency that we're going to say, I just want to go back. I just want to go back. My son said, I want to go home. The, the Israelites are saying, we want to go back to Egypt. But guess what? God did it in such a way that they could not turn back. The army was behind them. I want you to know the Egyptian army is not there. Your past might be trying to catch up with you. But I want to tell you who's behind you, your church. I want to tell you that the family of God stands behind you. We, did, we ended last week with prayer in the same way. We said that you're not alone in this. But I want you to know today that you have been set free by the finished work of the cross. But we need to live in that reality. The knowledge of it is great, but God didn't just do that, send his son just so we would have knowledge of it, but that we would live set free in the name of Jesus. Today as we prepare to close, I, I want to pray for you. And I believe that there might be people here, and I'm not here to judge. We're not here to judge. But we're here like Moses did to declare that this is the end of it. That this is, it stops. That you'll, you won't see your past anymore. The, the, the thing that keeps trying to get your attention that, to make you look back and, and want to go back, as bad as it is, it's, it's over in Jesus' name. And I want to pray today. And, but here's what I'm going to ask you to do. There has to be movement. So I'm going to invite you to step out of your, uh, of your comfort, if, of your pew, if you will. And, and symbolically, as you come to this altar, this is you saying, I'm coming out of Egypt. And I'm headed to the promise of the future that God has for me. I'm not playing music. I'm not, you know, going to try to make a mood out of this. You know, the Israelites didn't have a choice because they said, this is here, that's there, this is what we're going to do. God himself said, get moving. So today, if you want prayer, get moving. Step out of your seat, come down to the front, and I want to pray with you, and we're going to pray and say, this is it. You don't have to deal with whatever it is that you've been holding on to, that you let go, and in Jesus' name, you're set free. If there's anyone, you come. And we're going to pray today in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're in your seat, I'm going to ask that you would not step out. This is the most important part of the service. And, and the, the whole point of hearing a word, we said, is not to be hearers, but to be doers. And we thank God for his word, but now we respond to it in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for the promise of your presence. Lord, that you're in close proximity to us. Lord, in the in-between, the in Lord, between where we've been to where we're going. And Lord, we thank you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, church, start praying for these that are here. God has given us authority in the name of Jesus that we could break the chains the anointing breaks the chains of bondage, and in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. The past is the past in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for the work of the cross that he is set free in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for breakthrough in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to just lift your hands to heaven. Father, you see your hands lifted up. It's a sign of surrender, giving you the past, the present, and the future. Do whatever it is that you need to do, God. I thank you, Lord, that you've not given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. For in the name of Jesus, we are not only free physically, but Lord, everything that would hold down emotionally, spiritually, mentally, in the area of thought, Lord, we thank you for the overwhelming victory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we bind every foul work of the enemy. The devil is a liar. So God, we thank you for the truth that is found in Christ. In Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, it stops now. In Jesus' name, we thank you.
thank you, Father, we thank you for the work that we've seen and that is pulled into us out, Lord, everything that we try to keep up in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, for the power in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, from strength to strength, Lord, thank you, God, thank you, Lord,
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say moving forward. God is calling us to move forward, to move forward. And, you know, as we've prayed today, the journey doesn't, this isn't the be all end all when we pray together at, at an altar. What I view this as is this is the beginning, that this is the start. So, you know, for Israel, they were physically free, but they were not spiritually free. They weren't free in their thinking. They weren't free in their habits. But as the Spirit of God would do the work, I want you to know that you're, you might feel free in the physical, but He's working things out in the spiritual, in, in the unseen realm. Live every day for God. Live every day knowing that there's an action that I have to take. If God is speaking, if God is in my life, then I have to be moving in step with Him. And there's only one way to move with God, and it's forward. Amen? And so I just, I just want to say to our church as we close this service that the future of your present state is a good one. And I want to encourage you and declare over your life that if you thought God has been good, and He has been, it's nothing in comparison to what He's going to do in your life. You know, it's one thing to just say, hey, the best is yet to come. But it's another thing to wrap your head and your heart around the reality of that, that statement. The best is yet to come. When your life is in Christ, the best is yet to come. Listen real quick as we close. We believe in a personal relationship with Jesus. I'm aware of the time. But that's less important compared to what I, I, I want to propose. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes and to make Him your Lord and Savior. So within the sound of my voice, if you hear this and you're here and you say, I've heard the message, but I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you've been in church, but you've never given your heart to Him. I want to lead you in a simple prayer. And I'm just going to ask if you would slip your hand up uh, and then I'll, we'll pray together. If there's anyone here, before we dismiss, you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior and say yes to everything that he accomplished on the cross. Then I'm, I don't see any hands, so I want to pray. You might say, sorry, wh why are you doing this? You didn't say close your eyes. If you can't stand for Jesus in a church, I don't know if you'll be able to stand for him when the world begins to hate you for the decision you've made. Uh, I'm just being honest with you. Some, some of the churches want to discreetly do it. I'm not judging them. The most important thing is your heart, giving it to Christ and making him Lord and Savior. That's all I care about. I don't see hands. I'm just going to be real with you. So we're going to pray and dismiss. Uh, but the best is yet to come in Christ. When your life is hidden in Christ, the best is yet to come. For our church, I'm believing. We've had a great 2019 so far. In the ministries, in, in all of those things, I'm praying already for the, the ministries that have paused for summer that are about to resume. The ones that have continued but that are going to just, you know, launch again. And we've seen God do some great things. We're going to believe that in September, we're going to see God do even greater things than we've seen Him do. We're going to see answers to prayers that we've been praying all year long. And God, is, God hasn't forgotten 2019. He hasn't forgotten you and I declare over us and over you, your life and your family, the best is yet to come. Let's pray as we close. Father, I thank you, Lord, firstly for your presence. Lord, I thank you that as you led your people, there was the proximity of your presence. Lord, I thank you that that doesn't change today. That we, Lord, seek after you, but there's the promise of your presence in our lives everywhere we go. So, Lord, as we leave this place, church isn't over, though the service is. God, we go as your hands and feet. We go, Lord, on this journey from where we've been to where we are headed. And Father, we go in the power of your Spirit. So Lord, as we go home, bless our lunch, I pray. Even as we come back for encounter night, God, we're hungry for you. Would you show up like only you can, Lord, in this place? And Father, as uh, maybe people are traveling, would you bless them in their coming in and in their going out this summer? And Lord, may the grace of your Lord 
of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of your Holy Spirit accompany us on our way in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to our Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go. 